nearly finished. As we come to God's word, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that we've been singing of tonight, of the great truths that you sent your Son, Jesus, into the world. And we pray that as we look at who he is, as we look at the names that you caused him to be given, that we may understand afresh not just who he is, but how that is relevant to each one of us here. For Jesus' sake. Amen. It's always a great uh, joy, isn't it, to uh, welcome a new baby into a family or even into the church family here at Fullwood. And I know that a number of us have had that uh, privilege these past few months and certainly this year. And whether it's uh, you've had that joy as a parent or you're a member of the family that's had the new baby, uh, you'll know that one of the first things that has to happen for that baby is that the baby has to have a name. The name gives the baby their identity. It says who they are. And in fact, I don't know if you know this, but uh, if you do have a baby, you've got to register uh, your baby and its name within a certain number of days. It's law. It's so that it can go on the birth certificate, uh, so that everybody knows who has been born. It's a good reason, isn't it, for expectant parents to begin to think through the names that they might give uh, their expected child, so that you don't have to do it in a rush. I guess that may explain why some of us have the names that we do. Lots of reasons why uh, children get the names that they have. Uh, Some of them are automatic, uh, inherited names. Uh, Take, for example, in my family, it's automatic that the firstborn son is called John and that their firstborn son is also called John. So the fact that I'm called David tells you that my twin brother beat me out by five minutes. Now, uh, with so many people called John in my family, it became practice that uh, every other generation was called not by John, but by their second name. But that wasn't much help with my generation, because my twin brother got the second name, Peter, which is exactly the same name as my grandfather. So, uh, when it came to Christmas, it was very confusing indeed, because uh, there were presents for Peter all over the shop, and uh, it was always a danger that my brother would get uh, our grandfather's cardigan, and yes, you can guess it. Uh, my, bro- uh, my grandfather would get his cuddly toy. I guess in other families, uh, names are chosen for other reasons. It may be that uh, they like the n- sound of the name. So uh, apparently in New Guinea, there's a tribe that was visited by uh, some Europeans a few years ago. And uh, the natives heard some words that they rather liked. And a few years later, another party of Europeans visited them. And they were very surprised to find uh, children running around and being called second gear and tinned fish. (laughs) Can you imagine a child by that name coming to university here? I suspect they'd change their name really rather quickly. Children get their names, don't they, for all sorts of reasons. And the names that they get give you clues, not only about them, but about their family and about their culture. And in our reading uh, tonight from Matthew, and also on the DVD, uh, we heard of an extraordinary naming of a child. An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. And also another angel appeared to Mary in person to tell them what to call their child. That was extraordinary. But it was a process that was initiated by God for a baby born 2,000 years ago. 
And that name of that baby is especially significant because if you and I understand that name, we will also understand the real significance of Christmas. If we understand the name of that baby, we will understand the significance of Christmas. And I think that's especially helpful for us this Christmas. Many of us are going to have a different Christmas to the last one. Some of us feeling the credit crunch. Some of us worried about our job, even maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you're missing a loved one. Maybe you're facing an uncertain future, you're ill, or somebody in your family is in poor health. Maybe some of us are anxious about exams cropping up in a few weeks' time. So let's look in detail at those uh, events that first Christmas, because the answer to all of us to make this Christmas a real time of celebration lies in the name of that child. And first off, uh, Christmas is about royalty. In my family, uh, the Queen's Speech is one of the non-negotiables on Christmas Day. It's kind of how we build our Christmas meal. Uh, For others, well, if you live near Sandringham, it's turning out to see royalty uh, on Christmas Day as they go to church. For others, it's trying to get photographs of royalty while they're on holiday, regardless of what they've said about their privacy. But, you know, I'm not talking about the royalty that we have in this country. I'm not talking about the royalty that we might find in Hello! magazine. I mean the Christ, the baby born that first Christmas day. Verse 18 of Matthew, chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. Christmas is all about the Christ, hence it's called Christmas. Now, that may sound obvious to some of us, but I know for others, it kind of sort of just registers a little bit later on in life. And it's important for us to realise, isn't it, that the Christ is not a surname here. It's a title. So so if you were looking up to phone this chap in his home, uh, you wouldn't look up under Christ in the Jerusalem phone book. Because, you know, Christ is an official title. It means God's anointed king. And that means that as we look at those first events, that first Christmas, we understand that the baby being born is a king. Not just any old king, but when we think back to that reading, don't bother turning to it from Isaiah, we begin to see just what kind of king he was. Verse 6, halfway through, it says, He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You don't hear people calling our queen God, do you? They certainly shouldn't. And she's certainly not going to have an everlasting government. She will die and her throne is going to pass on to another one. But this king to be born will reign not just for one, two years, but he will reign and establish his kingdom forever. Forever. Christ is the king who is going to reign for eternity. I wonder if you've ever realised that. When we say Jesus Christ, we are talking about King Jesus, God's everlasting king. Kind of makes you think, doesn't it, a bit about how you treat him. Think about how you might treat a king, but this is the everlasting king. A few years ago, uh, whilst I was in the Royal Navy, there was a rumour that circulated... I'm not sure of whether it was true, but we had a bit of banter going with the US uh, Navy. And, uh, well, the rumour was a bit like this. 
message from an aircraft carrier. Unknown contact directly ahead of me, alter your course one degree south to avoid collision. Reply. Recommend you divert your course 20 degrees south to avoid collision. Aircraft carrier. This is captain of USS Navy ship. I say again, you divert your course. Reply. No, I say again, you divert your course. Aircraft carrier. This is aircraft carrier Coral Sea. We are a very big warship in the US Navy. Divert your course now. Reply. This is a lighthouse. Your call. <laughs> Whether it's true or not, it doesn't really matter, but it does make the point, doesn't it, that how people think of themselves can be very wrong. It makes the point that when we have a wrong opinion about ourselves, we can throw our weight around wrongly, even in the face of someone or something far greater that's exactly what many of us do with Jesus. We behave like the captain of the Coral Sea. We treat Jesus a bit like this. We, we remember him at Christmas, but we forget him the rest of the year. Is that you? Well, the title of the Christ tells us that he is royalty, God's promised or powerful king who rules today and forever. And one day you and I are going to meet him face to face and he is going to call us to account for how we have treated him and how we have lived. And if you're a rebel against that king, that's not a very happy prospect, is it? It's not a very happy prospect to come face to face with the everlasting king, is it? Which is why Christmas is such good news, because secondly, Christmas is about rescue. Firstly, about royalty. Secondly, about rescue. Let's just remind ourselves of the uh, events that happened that first Christmas. Back in verse 18, uh, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So I hope you've got the situation. Joseph is in a bit of a jam, a bit of a sticky situation. He's engaged to Mary. That means slightly more than engagement these days. It's all but married. It's all but formally married. And he loves Mary. He's a righteous man. He wants to do the godly thing. And he discovers that Mary is pregnant. And he knows that he's not the father. Never had sex with her. And we're told in, at the end of the passage, aren't we, that even afterwards he didn't have sex with her. No, he decides that actually his only option is to break off the engagement. Verse 20. After he had considered this, he went to sleep. No, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and bang! Bang goes his plan. God tells him through the angel what is going on. His eyes are open. The lights come on. This is all part of God's plan to rescue his world. Seen a lot of dramatic rescues this year. Rescues from floods, rescues from financial bankruptcy and so on. And some of those rescues have been very costly indeed. Just think about the uh, bailing out of the banks publicly. Multi-billion pound rescue packages 
And of course, secretly, we only heard out uh, about a couple of weeks ago, there were many more billions of pounds secretly passed to the banks to make sure that the rescue package worked, to ensure that the banks were saved and our cash is safe. Well, here in verse 21, uh, Joseph is told to call this baby boy Jesus. Why? Well, thankfully, the angel tells us the reason. It's because he will save his people from their sins. Do you see, Jesus is coming to save. Jesus is coming to rescue. Christmas is about rescue. We've sung about it time and time again tonight in our carols. You cannot escape it. We sing of a saviour, of rescue. We need to be saved. That is the message that we heard back in Genesis chapter 3. Always going swimmingly until Adam and Eve decided to disobey God and go their own way. And their relationship with God was absolutely slammed. There were consequences. Consequences to their sin. Consequences to our sin. Our rebellion against God. Just think for a moment. Just think for a moment. Uh, Can you honestly say that even today you have loved God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and your strength? Can you say you've done that today? Or every day of your life? I know I can't. And if we're honest, none of us, none of us can say that, can we? We're all rebels. And the consequence is that we will face God's wrath and punishment when Jesus comes to judge. I know that may sound harsh. That may sound a particularly un-Christmassy message. But you see, unless we realise why we need to be rescued, we cannot even begin to look for a rescuer, can we? We're all in the same boat. We're all guilty. We all will receive the guilty verdict and appropriate punishment. I don't know if you read the newspapers, uh, but uh, you've probably heard about the story of uh, Caroline Johnson. Uh, Back last uh, winter, she was busy scraping off the uh, windscreen of her car, getting rid of the ice, and uh, a chap called Kevin Richardson jumped into her car and carjacked it, drove over her, left her for, for dead, and she remained in a coma for two weeks. Her heart stopped beating, the newspaper tells me, And when she was admitted to hospital, she she was found there to be, uh, well, dead. They had to uh, revive her. She lost so much blood that she needed a transfusion of 30 pints of blood. Uh, When he sentenced uh, this guy, Richardson, the judge said this. He branded him absolutely despicable. He then went on to say that Richardson was so dangerous that he may never be released. He was found guilty and the punishment fitted the crime. Justice and punishment. We may think in that situation that it's right. But when we are involved, it becomes another matter, doesn't it? You see, the problem is that that we are all guilty. Not guilty of driving someone down, but guilty of treason against the one true God. And when we realise that the punishment is not going to be life in jail, but it makes the difference, it is, it is hell for eternity. When we are judged, God will say, how have you treated me in, my, in your life? And the answer will be, we have rejected him. And his judgment is rightly 
that he will reject us and we will spend eternity in hell. Not a happy prospect, it's a place where there's nothing good, nothing lovely, nothing enjoyable, no parties, only pain and suffering. But Christmas is about rescue. Christmas is about rescue. And it's because God loved us so much, he sent Jesus to rescue us. That's what Jesus came to do. That's what he did on that first Good Friday. When he died on a cross, God's wrath fell on him. So it need not fall on us. And the events that happened that first Easter tell us that's exactly what was going on. You know, you may, you may have thought it odd that at Christmas we have uh, Holy Communion on Christmas Eve, that we remember and celebrate Jesus' death on Christmas Eve and on Christmas Day, the day we celebrate his birth. But the reason is because Jesus, Jesus came to rescue by dying for us. What did the angel say? You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This is the second answer to Christmas. Rescue. Jesus has come. He came to rescue you and me. Maybe that's passed you by on previous Christmases. The fact that he came to rescue you. To be sure, it's not a welcome message, is it, to be told that you need to be rescued? But God tells it to us so that we will reach out to the rescuer. And today would be a great day to do that, wouldn't it? If you've not done that, today would be a great day to reach out and say, yes, Lord, I need rescuing. And to ask him for his forgiveness and to start living with Jesus as your royal ruler. You know, we may have felt that the rescue of the banks was so costly. It's going to cost us in our national insurance over the next few years. But God's rescue in Jesus is far more necessary and far more costly. And we'll see just how great it is when we see the third and final part of the answer to Christmas. And it's this. Christmas is about relationship. Christmas is about relationship. don't know about you, but uh, Christmas is a great time for parties, isn't it? Anybody had a party yet this Christmas time? Yeah, one or two, three or four. And there are going to be lots more ahead, aren't there? We value the relationships that we have with friends, with family, with colleagues, with people at uni, people at school. We all get together. We value one another. Our relationships with one another are important. But the third hour of Christmas tells us that we are also those who matter to God. We don't matter just a smally, incy-wincy bit. We matter an immense amount. Because God wants a real relationship with you and with me. So much so that he came in person that first Christmas time. Just listen to the next part of our reading, verse 22. Matthew records, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The baby that was being born was not just going to be any old baby, but God himself in human form with us. At the beginning in Genesis Adam and Eve, they enjoyed a perfect relationship with God. A relationship unknown in any other religion. They walked with God, talked with God. Life was amazing. 
But they blew it. They blew it. And we have all followed in their footsteps. All of us live by our own way. We, we say to God, shove off. I'm in charge. Not, not your rules, God, my rules. But the amazing thing is that God has persevered with you and me. He loves us so much that he came in person to rescue us from the consequences of our sin. Jesus, God saves. But more than God saves, God saves by being Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel faced his father's wrath on the cross so we don't have to. Emmanuel endured hell so we need not. That is how costly God's rescue is. The cost of his own dear son. A very necessary rescue. And a rescue that he was willing to not only underwrite, but to go through personally for us in order to have a relationship with you and with me. But you know what, friends? This relationship isn't merely historic. It's not about God coming then. Jesus' rescue enables any of us you and me here tonight, anyone in this world for eternity, to have a relationship with him day in, day out. A real relationship with a living God. Now, on this earth, and in eternity with heaven, rather than hell, which we deserve. And it's a relationship that remains through thick and thin, through the good times and the bad times, through life and through death. It's a relationship that brings untold riches. Riches that are guaranteed and certain, both now and in eternity. What does this world offer? What does it offer? It's fickle, it's false, it's transitory, it's uncertain. It's based on lies. It's based on your and my performance. Those of you that are taking exams shortly, it is based on that performance. But you know, with God, it's not based on our performance, but upon Jesus' performance. Just let me just take you through a few of those verses from 1 Peter. Don't bother turning to it uh, unless you can do so quickly. Uh, I'll just take you through some of the amazing things, the amazing riches that God offers us when we come into relationship with him. Page 1217 if you want to go there. But some things have come up on the screen uh, in front of you. The first thing... The first thing that we don't deserve, which he gives us, is a fresh start with God. A fresh start with himself. Verse 3. A new birth through Jesus, who died and was raised again. A fresh start. Second, a guaranteed future with God. Verses 4 and 5. Emmanuel, God with us, not just now, but in eternity. We're given an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. And what's more, it's kept for us. God keeps it for us in heaven and he keeps us to make sure that we can inherit it. That's guaranteed, isn't it? Thirdly, it's, it's, it's about a rock-solid faith in God. Verses 6 and 7. It's a true and genuine faith. It's more than the gold standard because gold, even, even gold perishes in a fire. But this is a true and genuine faith which won't let us down, even in the face of death. Fourth, it's about a personal relationship with God. Did you see that? Verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. 
And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an expressible, glorious joy for you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's up front and personal with God, isn't it? Do you know that relationship for yourself? That's what he's offering you. And then finally, a privileged revelation from God. Verses 10 to 12 tell us that we, because we live now in history, we can look back and we can see Jesus. We can see when he came and what he did. Whereas those before Jesus, they knew he was coming, but they hadn't seen it with certainty. Those are amazing riches, aren't they? And those riches can be yours and mine through Emmanuel, God with us. He's the only one that can make Christmas, Christmas. He's the only one that can make every day Christmas Day. Even when we're in a life full of pain and suffering, of poverty, of sickness, of loneliness. But you know what, like the other parts of this name of this child... Being called Emmanuel has implications that you and I may not like. Because you see, it, it says that if, if Jesus is God with us, then we can only know God through him. We can only know God through Jesus. For many of us here tonight, that relationship is probably a reality. As I look around here, I know that there are many, many of us here tonight who know that relationship for yourselves. And Christmas is a great time, yet again, for saying thank you. Thank you. But for some of us, the birth of Christ Jesus, Emmanuel, the fact that Christmas is about royalty, about rescue and about relationship, well, maybe that's new to you. Maybe as I've been speaking here tonight, as you've been singing the songs you've been singing tonight, as you've been hearing the readings that have been read tonight, you've said to yourself, I didn't know that Jesus is God's reigning king, the Christ. I don't live as if he is, and, and I realise that that has eternal consequences for me. Maybe you've said to yourself, I didn't know that Jesus is my saviour, the one by which I can be forgiven. And I don't know that Jesus is, is Emmanuel, the one by which to have a relationship with God here and now and in eternity. That's you. Tonight would be a good night, wouldn't it? For you to turn to God and sort that out. Either to start over with him again right now. Or to come back over the next few weeks and find out some more. In your service sheet tonight, you'll find a bundle. And uh, inside you'll find a, a red booklet. And inside that red booklet, you'll find a little slip of paper. Which says, come back. Come back. I want to encourage you if, you if there's something that's said to you tonight that you didn't know about, that's really challenged you about who God is and who this baby being born at Christmas is, can I say to you, come back again. Come back again. Don't put it off. But if you can't wait to come back again, can I say to you, why not read the red booklet? There's one for you to take away in your service sheet tonight. It's called Ho, Ho, Ho. Uh, as somebody said to me this week, it's not a book on gardening. Yes, you're very slow. It's not a book on gardening. It's a book which takes us to the heart again of Christmas and who Jesus is. Why not read that if you can't wait to come back another time?
Whatever you do this Christmas, I hope you have the best Christmas that you can ever have. By knowing the answer to Christmas, that it lies in rescue, rescue through uh, royalty and through Emmanuel. Let's just spend a moment of quiet, shall we? Let's think about how we need to respond. About where we stand with God, where we stand with Jesus. Maybe we need to say something to him, to say sorry, and to ask him that you can start again. Let me just pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your great love in sending your Son into the world, Christ Jesus, Emmanuel, who left the glories of heaven to be born on earth and to die for us. Thank you that he is indeed royalty. But more than that, He is the way by which we can be rescued and set right with you. Please help us not only to understand that, but to take hold of that right now. And to resolve not to rest until we have not only done that, but we are living rightly with you, knowing the truth of Emmanuel in us. Amen.